Welcome to the Queen City Preachers Podcast. I'm Pastor Andrew. And I'm Pastor Molly. And we're delighted to have you with us today. We're here. Yay. Yay. The day's gotten better. Like we've gotten Um, some blue sky moments of it. Yeah. Weather forecast for today was sunny with thunderstorms. Yeah. It's been funky weather here. Choose choose your adventure. Kind of muggy, but only 70. So we can't complain because like it was like 100 and something at home when my family in Illinois. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's not been a good week. It's hot in a lot of places. And it's not hot here. So thank you, God. We will rejoice. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Lots of things to be thankful for. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Today, yeah. today we'll be thankful for women not killing uh, these babies as, as midwives. So. Yeah. So like uh, <laughs> what uh, Molly was just saying is we are, we're diving into <laughs> Exodus. And um, so this is, this is a pretty big shift because essentially we've been traveling with um, – the story of Abraham's descendants for the last mm-hmm. like eight weeks, nine weeks. That's been the like it's been the entire primary story. focus of right. us this summer. Yeah. And so and we still have that because mm-hmm. that's ties into Moses. But like mm-hmm. but we're starting to shift into a different strain of the narrative. It's no longer about Isaac and Jacob and mm-hmm. Joseph. We're gonna and, jump forward a few years. We are. And it means mm-hmm. also that we're taking a twist because we're also, shi- well, not totally shifting because Joseph was in Egypt, right? But like we're shifting, mm-hmm. we're geo- geolocating, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like we're, we're popping over to Egypt, which also means that we come into a very different um, world because now we're living with oppression and, and challenges in different ways than what we've mm-hmm. been experiencing for most yeah. of Genesis, there were pieces of that in Genesis, but but yeah. not not as much. A lot of Genesis was around like um, the people creating their own problems, right? Like yeah. And now we have um, dynamics of power creating problems for the people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that yeah. makes it a different. Yeah, got a different nemesis. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it it creates a. Yeah, it's it takes it. It takes it to a different type of dynamic in the sense that like previously in some ways we were we, we could dive into the family and systems dynamics about like messiness mm-hmm. of family. Mm-hmm. That's here, but it's less so here. Like mm-hmm. this is more dealing with culture and international relations and politics <laughs> and like and like yeah. the messiness of oppressor and slavery mm-hmm. and like and yeah. choice. And it's it's different. It's interesting because we're just gonna dabble in it for the next two weeks and then I we'll know. be moving back into the lectionary <laughs> for the fall. So yeah. We'll enjoy. I like these stories. So they're good stories. They're powerful ones. So let's jump into them. Yeah. So we're covering quite a bit of a chunk. We're in Exodus. So we've moved from Genesis into Exodus um, and we'll be starting in verse eight and going through chapter two, verse 10. Now, a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, for they will increase and, in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pidham and Ramses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless and imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. 
They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Puah, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews, you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she had saw that he was a fine baby, she said to him, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this story. It's a good story. It is. <clears throat> yes. So, um, so this story, I mean, like, first off, it's really hard to, <laughs> to hear this story and not think of all... Uh, you know, Prince of Egypt and like <laughs> yeah. all the different animated and illustrated versions of the story that mm -hmm. so many of us have seen over the years. Um, but the, two things kind of leapt out of me as you read this. The first is that um, the fear mm -hmm. that is there at the beginning of this story. Yeah. Right. Like this, this anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and the second part that leapt out at me was how darn wily and savvy and smart mm -hmm. um, and desperate these women are but like yeah. but like that there is this level of you know the mom putting him in the basket but the sister's watching which mm -hmm. means that she thinks and <laughs> clearly they've planned this to be right next to where the da pharaoh's daughter is coming yes like this is not just a happenstance yeah and like so there's this level of strategy and mm -hmm. this that's just amazing yeah this kind of like um things happen in this very like cinematic way that it's like, Oh, you know, it feels kind of like, Oh, it's meant to be kind of, you know, which in, in my mind is connecting back to kind of that question that we were asking last time, which is where was God or who is God to Joseph? Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, where is God in this story? 
You know, and that's something that I've kind of been thinking about, too, because we get this very important line that I kind of want to focus on, which is the midwives feared God. Yeah. So to yeah. me, to me, I'm I don't know. And maybe you know this. I can't really tell whether the Hebrew, the midwives are Hebrew or whether they are the midwives to the Hebrews. Because they feel like they're very like it, it feels weird that Pharaoh would have any sort of like interaction with them if they were just hebrew people no they're the well but they so i think there's a little bit of debate on that linguistically so Mm -hmm. i think asking that question is a good one Mm -hmm. um so i'm like i'm sitting here with the uh the jps and the tanakh the jewish study bible version of this and they they say the king of egypt spoke to the hebrew midwives one of whom's name was shifra and the other pua saying Mm-hmm. So these are the Hebrew midwives who are helping Hebrew women, women their okay. children. Mm-hmm. Which you're right. There is this cultural question of like, why are you talking to them? Um, yeah. Right? Like yeah. there is this interesting power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting because it's it places them in the context of they have a relationship with the God of Israel. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we hear from the get-go, the first line, right? This Pharaoh didn't know Joseph. Yes. Which means this Pharaoh might not know God in the same way, right? Because definitely the, not. Right. right. Yeah, and when we think about the... Pharaoh in Egyptian tradition, right? Pharaoh was kind of the God. So right. he would see himself as God and therefore have the power to choose who lives and who dies, which is pretty evident with what happens later with the, right. but the which, plagues. But which is also a shift from the Pharaoh that that uh Joseph yeah, under, for right? sure. Like mm-hmm. so that like yeah. we're seeing a shift in power dynamics and an mm-hmm. understanding of who's in charge. Yeah, so we can assume that like I think about like 400 years has kind of passed. Probably. In the yeah. time period that's kind of the basic kind yeah. of idea. And it's really interesting because like you think about this from from the perspective of like this much time has passed, but it's also really interesting thinking about like what does this mean of a shift in um in values and in control? in the mm-hmm. storytelling too, mm-hmm. right? That like part of the challenge of the of Joseph and his families, right? And Abraham mm-hmm. was that they could never trust God's promise, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time, what do we see when we see Pharaoh taking in control of being God mm-hmm. and all the failures that come? It's failing to let God be God, yeah. right? Choosing that you it's yourself choosing, are in the place. But we see it as an extreme now mm-hmm. with Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to see Moses wrestle with that and some narrative too but like it's i don't know like it's interesting to me that like that thread cuts through all of it but at the same time it's no longer the hebrew people that are struggling with that it's now the outsider who is struggling with that yeah and i guess we don't really know how much the hebrew people are struggling with that either there is the line that comes a little bit later in exodus that talks about how like um in chapter two after a long time the king of egypt died the israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out out of their slavery, their cry for help rose up to God, and God heard their croning, and God remembered his covenant Yeah. with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Yep. So you kind of wonder, like, what is what is the what is the Israelites' faith at this time, and what's you know what causes them to act on their faith, and what's what's their kind of motivator here? And you can even argue that with the um, the sister, the mom, and putting Moses in the basket, right? Mm-hmm. It's is it f- an act of faith or is it an act of manipulation mm-hmm. 
I mean, it could be both, right? Like it could be yeah. elements of both, but yeah. like, but we just don't know. We don't hear that yes. subtext. And also it being okay that Moses is raised by the daughter of the man who is trying to kill him. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> right. Cause there's a huge issue with Moses is his identity. And then in the yes. next, in the yeah. next um, portion, he kills that Egyptian um, and then has to run away to Midian. Um, right. Which is not Israelite, you know, which is like their cousin kind of territory, right? I think it's yeah. like the Esau's I don't remember line. exactly. I think the, it's Esau's yeah. line um, who is up there. So they're kind of like neither here nor there. So it's this very much like a reckoning with identity and what defines um, your relationship with God. And it, it, you know, a lot of it is genealogical within the Israelite tradition, them being the tribes of Israel. Right. Yeah. But you could argue, like, who's the most faithful to God, right? And it's like Pharaoh's daughter is one of them, right? And Moses, yeah. who isn't yeah. even raised as a Hebrew, right? He's raised in, as an Egyptian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so it gets very a powerful. Identity gets very complicated. It so it does. It's not just about who you are, it's about how you are with God. Oh. And it, it also dives into nature nurture type questions too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so Moses is adopted by a family system that perpetrates violence mm-hmm. and he perpetrates violence. Mm-hmm. And you have the whole history of like Jacob, Joseph, like the yeah, whole mess yeah. that we've had of like, how is that understood? And how do mm-hmm. you, how do you live into who you fully are? And so much of it is, I mean, I said this on Sunday, is it is God seeking who we are, not what we do. And can we claim that again? Mm-hmm. That in some ways that belovedness, right? God like, seeking who we are, not what we do. Right. Like, and that's the focus. And within that, like, you know, I think it's it's a little bit um, disconcerting that you hear later that, oh, God remembered the covenant. <laughs> like God forgot it. But yeah. Like, what were you doing, God? You know? <laughs> But you could argue that did God forget the covenant because here he we have God's people drawing forth life, right? And yeah. the first covenant is be fruitful and multiply. And that's exactly what is happening. That's the first promise. So Yeah. And I'm wondering though if also if is it is it is it like the language in the version I have is and God remembered. Mm-hmm. It's not that God forgot. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that God heard something heard it and it brought back to God that, that promise that God remembered that God had made. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that God had neglected that promise, yeah. but it was that like the people somehow mm-hmm. stirred within God. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. I'm wondering if there's a mm-hmm. if there's an element of what does it mean. Um. I guess it's the question, what is memory? What does it mean to remember? But oh. hmm. um, we just need a the moment. Promise. We just need yeah. a moment of thought for that one. <laughs> yeah. What does it mean to remember? Yeah. Yeah, to remember and to know something and timeliness and God's timeliness, because it is such a story about timeliness, right? Like the oh, doing the yeah. right people at the right time in all of this, right? Yeah. And also um, the right people in the right time, but also uh, that there is something bigger than um, 
and this is where maybe some of the God narrative arches and in, arcs into this because like, mm-hmm. I think like, okay, so the midwives like thwart Pharaoh. Yeah. Right. But then what does Pharaoh do? He's like, Oh, the kids got born. Let's throw them into the river. Right. Yeah. Like, so like Pharaoh's like, I'm going to find a way to do what I want to do. Yeah. And God says, the promise is bigger than anything that Pharaoh can possibly do. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And, and that like, is so Even painful, if you put them in right? the river, they're still going to be saved. Right. I mean, that's kind of that, yeah, so, that little air quotes, like, ha, 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 yeah, gotcha I type think of, like... it is, like, how we moment. work. Maybe it's about how we work in partnership with God, you know? Because that's mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a bigger arc of the story, right? Yeah. That God's not just freeing the people on God's own. He needs Moses, right? Yeah, that God needs Moses, and God also needs God's people yeah. to seek that relationship. Mm-hmm. That God... God wants it for God's people, mm-hmm. but God is like, guys, this is a two-way street. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on, help me out. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, have you made space to see that I am in the midst of this? Have you made space to know that the mm-hmm. promise is here? Can you help live into that rather than trying to take control yourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, that's a really interesting question because in some ways that's part of the power of Moses' story, right? Mm-hmm. Is it all the, th- is it Moses and Aaron too, especially? Yeah. Reluctant leaders. Mm-hmm. And they they do it, and everything that they do is actually God working through them, mm-hmm. for the most. I mean, like really, it, it turns working into most through of that them and in participation with, with them, them right? right? But yeah. it means that they have to be open to it. Yeah, and they aren't always. But no, then no. God God finds a way, and that's important too, right? Yeah, it is. You know, is. God finds a way. You know, when Moses is like, I can't say anything in front of anybody. He's like, Well, your brother Aaron's a great speaker. Yeah. You know? Sorry, buddy. Can't get out of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. I think you said it, you know, like, or we talked about it the other week, you know, like the end, right? Thinking about what's the end, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, and then God finds another way, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it reorients control and power into, into the, and this, I, I wonder if in some ways this is, I mean, it's why I think this text is so powerful today too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because it's timeless in the sense of unsettledness of fear and anxiety and the chaos of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, in the midst of that, where we keep seeing Pharaoh find a new way to do something evil, right? Or we keep finding other ways for the world to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, that God says in the midst of that, I still remember my promises. Mm-hmm. I still see you. I'm going to work through you in ways that you can't even imagine, mm-hmm. um, including ways that you're going to say, oh, heck no. And I'm going to say, mm, yeah, OK, mm-hmm. I'm going to try this and I'm going to throw this your way. And and I wonder if if so much of this is that that to me, what's comforting about this is that we have. We have people trying to be faithful, like the midwives, like really, really seeking that in this powerful mm-hmm. way. Pharaoh says, uh, uh-uh. uh. Like you did this, okay, all right, all right, way to go, midwives. He did, I mean, he doesn't execute him, thank goodness, right? But like, yeah, yeah, or yeah. to the best of our knowledge, but well, like, because they lie to him, they're like, oh, they're just, they're, they're just, just these, they just keep popping out them babies. Super yeah, it's fast. just so fast. I'm sorry, Pharaoh, we what, just can't do it. What could we do? Yeah, um, but instead, he finds he finds another way to be evil. But like, but mm-hmm. they continue to seek to be faithful, and I feel like in some ways, this is the interesting piece: is that. Um, and this ties back to the the troubling question about how God navigates evil, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, is Pharaoh's daughter is a good character in an evil situation? Mm-hmm. 
taking risks of her own, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, what is the risk of adopting this compared to stepping up, standing up against dad? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, like it's really, it raises really interesting questions of justice and and Mm -hmm. how we understand power and what we choose to do. Yeah. An agency. Yeah. And that she can't fix the entire system. But when she is presented with a situation that calls for justice, she chooses the justice of it. And it makes me wonder if that's part of that narrative arc of God's movement, Mm -hmm. that faithfulness doesn't always look like how we think it's going to look. Or who it's going to look like. Or who it's going to look like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because Moses is unlikely to, right? You don't think that God would choose a bunch of murderers to be God's leader and people, you know? Not at all. Right? Especially <laughs> a bumbling murderer at that, yeah, right? Yeah, like, I mean, so, and, yeah. I, so, so where does this, I mean, I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to step back in my mind and think about, like, so where does this lead us in the sense of, of, um, in our daily lives, what what do we take from this text in a way that allows us to um, to grow in relationship with God? Because I, I guess I'm wondering is it is it that you know look for God in the unlikely cast of characters? Is it allowing God to work within us even though we don't necessarily always feel like that's possible? Possible? Is it what what are the pieces yes. of this that all of those? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. And I think, too, in having a relationship with God, that calls us to enact God's justice in the places where we have power as well. Because mm. that's what Pua and Shifra do. That's what Pharaoh's you know, daughter does. That's what Pharaoh's daughter does. And God's, and that doesn't, you know, I think, so I don't want to, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but then. I think too, like I woke up last night thinking about like, how do, how do Pua and Shifra know God? You know, like <laughs> how, how do question, they right? know like, God? Like, like where, where, where is that relationship? What do they know about? Cause it's not like they broke out their Bibles and were reading, right? This is like pre, pre no. any sort of scrolly times. And is this you know? like a hidden, a hidden Jewish community mm-hmm. in Egypt? Like a house yeah. church type of situation? I don't know. Like because undercover? You don't hear a lot like what are the Israelites' faith life like? You know, you get a lot more of that once Moses kind of reintroduces God's power to the people. Right. Yeah. But at this point in time, it's pretty like it was with Joseph. Like, who is God to Joseph, you know, besides this person who comes to him in dreams? And mm-hmm. you know, who is mm-hmm. God to Pua and Shifra? And to me it's evident that God is the community. Of people, right? God mm-hmm, is this mm-hmm. calling that they have and this calling towards life within their community, right? They know God through their people. Yeah. And maybe it's the stories maybe. or this innate like knowing of God, but I just, I just was like thinking about that at 2 a.m. this morning. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Um, <laughs> It's a great question. Because whether they're Hebrew or not, they don't have like a systematic religion, you know? No. And I wonder, though, if in some ways this is, I just, just, you know. um, Are they spiritual but not religious? (laughs) (laughs) No, I wasn't, I wasn't going there. But like, I was thinking like, is this, is this in some ways the author? You know, we don't, we don't really know who wrote Mm -hmm. um, the Torah, 
Um, and these, these lots first, of people, lots of people, right? Yeah. I mean, like probably at least three in the Moses Genesis didn't write like, this. Moses didn't write but it makes me wonder if one of the contexts of this is saying that personal faith is only faith if it's professed publicly. Mm, okay, I meaning like that. if it's acted mm-hmm. upon. Mm-hmm. Meaning Jesus being your personal Lord and Savior does diddly squat. If it's not doing, if it's not doing something in the context of community, Mm -hmm. and I wonder if this is the God of Israel's covenant Mm -hmm. and promise doesn't mean anything unless it is lived out in the hopes and the work of through God's people, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like that. It's not because they don't trust God's promise; it's but that they also have to live into it and live Mm it in a different kind of way. And so it makes me wonder if this is a a very intentional. Mm-hmm. In part because it makes me think, like, what is this flying in the face of mm-hmm. of how Pharaoh is understanding faith, like mm-hmm. deity, right? As rules and power and control, and about the deity, mm-hmm. right? Not about the people. The people, mm-hmm. and in in some ways, it's that God's focus is creation rather than God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. God as a parent. God is yeah. what God does in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in many ways, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a fine line, but like, yeah, hmm. sorry. Yep. Anyway, that's, that's a wrap up. <laughs> I just went down. <laughs> we sorry. need a minute for that too. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of deep thoughts brought to you by. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think I'm through with all my deep thoughts for today. <laughs> yeah. I think that's enough for people. <laughs> it probably is. Um, I'm curious though, like for those of you at, who are listening to this, um, I'm curious when you hear this story. Um, where you I think we've done this before, kind of the thought of where do you find yourself in this story? Mm-hmm. Because I, I do think that one of the things that's really powerful, I mean, okay, we've talked about some major theological arcs and pieces like that, but even more powerful is, is do you find yourself as a midwife? Do you find yourself as somebody who's scared on the sidelines? Do you find mm-hmm. somebody who's picking up a basket mm-hmm. and um, picking up something with, which is, which is a big risk? Mm-hmm. And wondering what's coming next. Um, where do you find your fears or your hopes or your mm-hmm. how do you fit into this story? Because I think in some ways that's that's how we enter into the story of God's promise mm-hmm. at the start of Exodus. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Is where are we in that? Yep. Um, so I guess I'm just curious. Um, I'd encourage you if you're listening to think about this and think about where are you in this story and then what does that mean of where you need to find God right now? Absolutely. Um and how do you need to hear God? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we'll we'll end. end Moment there. of silence. No for more that deep too. thoughts. No more deep <laughs> thoughts. Uh, but but thank you for joining us. Um, and yeah, as Pastor Molly said, we'll have one more Exodus um, mm-hmm. conversation. But and then we kind of pick it on back up with some Jesus stories. Back in the saddle with Jesus, because mm-hmm. you know you got to do it. Yeah. And, and it's kind of great. This yep. has been a wonderful interlude, though. And thank you nice. for join, joining stories. us on these stories because it's mm-hmm. it's really powerful to think about um, the different the different ways that we hear about God and learn about God and engage with God mm-hmm. um, through the texts. And this is it's powerful. So. So thanks for being with us, friends. You've been uh, listening to the Queen City Preachers podcast. I'm Pastor Andrew. And I'm Pastor Molly. And be well. We'll see you next time.